Hello, everyone, and welcome to Autism Stories, where we connect you with amazing people that help teens and adults with autism become more independent and successful. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Nobel Peace Prize winner Kofi Annan once said that knowledge is power, information is liberating, education is the premise of progress in every society and in every family. In this episode of Autism Stories, we will talk about a great educational opportunity coming up on June 11th and 12th, which is the Milestones National Autism Conference. We will discuss 10 sessions at the conference we are really excited about with Haley Dunn, the teen and adult manager for Milestones Autism Resources. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Haley, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Doug, for having me. I wanted to start off by learning how did you uh, get involved in the autism community? Well, over the years I've had a couple of different jobs that kind of led me to where I am now. I've done some job coaching and I worked for County Board of Developmental Disabilities and my background's also in mental health and so when I moved back to Cleveland after being in mental health for a little bit I was like I need to get back to working with individuals on the spectrum and so here I am and it's been great. Now. Coming up in June is the National Autism Milestones Conference, and I believe there's about a hundred sessions or so in yeah. the conference. Is that correct? Yeah, so many this year, which is really fantastic that we've just had so much growth. There's a lot of great sessions, but I kind of narrowed it down to ten that I <laughs> I'm really interested in. There's a lot more than ten, just for for my sake. You know, with autism personal coach working with teens and adults, these yeah. ten really jumped out at us that you know would be really important to to talk about and for people to attend. So the first one was re- is really dealing with sensory needs transparently and appropriately with in any environment. And so often with the services of Autism Personal Coach, we're in the community with our clients. And so often we're in an environment that's really violating the sensory needs of our clients. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a really great session. Um, And we actually have several on sensory uh, issues at this conference, which is fantastic. So this will be a great way for professionals, parents, individuals alike to kind of understand the sensory systems, what are violating, and then how to best navigate that within their environment. And I think you and I had talked about in the past, you know, about just places that, everyday places we take for granted, like um, Home Depot, you know, where you walk in and there's so many things to kind of contend with, with the, the smell of the sawdust and the beeping from their machines and moving and yeah. the cash register and flows of people. So I think this will be a really great session to kind of talk about how to address different environments and how to help yourself kind of navigate that. Yeah, the world is definitely not sensory friendly no. or sensory <laughs> sensitive. It's a and, noisy world. <laughs> yeah, it's a noisy world. Um, the first restaurant I find that's sensory sensitive might be the first one. You know? <laughs> yeah, certainly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conference because you know different environments need di- different sensory needs come o- about Absolutely. because of that. Now the the next session I was really interested in is dealing with. Uh, adults with autism uh, relating to self-advocacy. The session, how do I, when do I, 
disability disclosure accommodations and self-advocacy will address this important topic. So you should definitely have plenty to say about this, Haley, because you'll be presenting on this important topic. So why did you want to talk about this topic at the Milestones National Autism Conference? I really wanted to talk about this because many of my clients come in and they are seeking a job or have been in a job and something has happened and and they no longer had that job. Um, And a lot of it had to do with whether or not they were disclosing their disability and whether or not they um, asked for accommodations. So this session is really designed around those two initial questions. How do I disclose? and when do I disclose? So we're really gonna break that down and talk about some appropriate people to tell and appropriate ways, accommodations that they can ask for, um, and then really just talking about how to advocate for yourself around um, the employment piece of disability disclosure. But I know you and I, again, have talked about in the past about how disability disclosure can is you know across the community or within relationships and how that pans out. So maybe a topic for next year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's important for individuals in the spectrum to feel empowered around their diagnosis and how to best present themselves in a way that makes them feel comfortable and in a way that allows them to be successful in the work world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a topic that really is across your lifespan. And, it, and I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to advocate for yourself, you know. It's hard, and, like, you really don't know. There's really no one right answer for each individual, and so... Part of the session will kind of be exploring that a little bit within yourself to kind of say like, okay, well, I could say it this this time or to this person. What do I want to say? And um, there's so many different levels of disclosure that you can have. So we're really going to try to break that down and, and give people some good options um, so that they have some practical strategies to leave with when they're applying and interviewing and working. And I think there's a balance you need to find sometimes with advocacy in the sense that sometimes I felt like I didn't advocate enough Mm -hmm. and then I felt like other times I was too strong of an advocate. Right, absolutely. And so finding that balance, especially around the job hunt, which is already difficult across (laughs) across settings for anyone, finding a good balance within that, certainly. Mm -hmm. Now, I know a big challenge for so many different reasons with people with autism is is finding independent living. Independent living can look very different from one person compared to the next. And I'm really interested in the session, Home Wasn't Built in a Day Part 2, a housing mixer for this very reason. Right. This is going to be great. We're very excited about this piece of the conference. So um, we've done, we've added some extra things this year, and this is one of those extra things. So Beth Thompson is our program director here at Milestones, and she is putting on a session that will kind of describe all the different housing models. And then the second half of this, this housing mixer, is really allowing families and individuals on the spectrum to come together and meet each other, to learn about how other people moved out, um, what level um, of help they need, where do they live, and a lot of different providers uh, will be at the fair as well. So there'll be plenty of people to talk to and get answers from. And we're hoping that some connections are made and maybe some potential friendships or roommates come out of this. Yeah, I mean, sometimes just having those connections is, is a huge first step. Now, 
females with autism often look much different than males. So when I see a session that's female-focused, I, I think it's really important. I'm very appreciative that there will be a session focusing on practical tips for menstrual regulation for those with ASD because I've seen with our female clients this is certainly an important issue. Yeah, this is certainly um, something that I think is not always talked about and it's a little taboo and yeah. um, so I appreciate you as a male bringing this up and bringing <laughs> it to the forefront to um, everyone listening. So this, I think, is going to be really great and, and hopefully, again, give some really solid practical strategies. We have a lot of um, female-focused sessions this year as well and kind of the importance of getting diagnosed and, and how there's a differential between males and females. So, um, yeah, I'm really, I think this is going to be a popular session. So if you were on the medical track or, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or highly interested in it, I would get there early for this one. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I think it's it's really important because my father being a doctor, I've really learned over the years, even though he's a great doctor, just learning the lack of information regarding people with autism that right. medical professionals have had. It's certainly improving. Right. I would agree. And I mean, you know, tying it even back into some of the sensory stuff we were talking about, like there's... Yeah. So many different things about, you know, planning and, and keeping track of your cycle and, like, the sensory things that come with, you know, to protect your undergarments. Like, there's lots of stuff that goes into dealing with this monthly thing. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm really feeling like this is going to be uh, a hot session. Yeah, yeah. Now, talking about females, many times they fall through the cracks and they're misdiagnosed. It's not just about females, though, because I've met so many males who've been di misdiagnosed as well. So one session at the Milestones National Autism Conference that will be presented regarding this is called Falling Through the Cracks, Misdiagnosis, and Calibrating Our Diagnostic Lens. Yeah, this is going to be a good one, and again, I think very popular because we ha continually see clients who have fallen through the cracks who are not properly diagnosed. And then, as we know, if you don't have the right diagnosis, you're not getting the right treatment, you're not getting that early intervention, which has shown like so much improvement across the lifespan. Not that you're not gonna have a great life or something, but um, we just know from research that the earlier we get the diagnosis and treatment in place, the better it is for, for everyone. So I'm really hoping that they, professionals especially, are at this one and really learning and understanding and teasing out the symptomology of autism versus other mental health disorders. Um, I think it, it's definitely a nuanced thing that, that I hope that they are giving good, solid information about. And I, I truly believe they, they are. I got to I really enjoy both the presenters on this one as well. Now, I so wish it wasn't the case, but I've met so many people with autism that have dealt with abuse in, the, in their lives. To have a session at the Milestones National Autism Conference addressing this, in my opinion, it's really critical as we need to consistently continue to provide ways to keep people with autism safer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as we know, the sad reality is that many individuals with disabilities just have a higher likelihood of experiencing trauma um, through abuse and um, it's important that we keep having this conversation on the forefront of 
every platform that we can have. Um, and so having it on a national platform at this conference, I think, is just really speaks to um, our our thoughts on it and that, that it is an important topic that we continually have conversations about. How do we reduce the risk? How do we protect our individuals with autism? Mm-hmm. And, and I really think about boundaries and really, I think going back to your presentation, self-advocacy I think is a really big piece to this as well, and, and certainly education. Right, absolutely. I think, you know, again, even going back to talking about the, the topic of menstruation and, and female issues, mm-hmm. like, I think just we can't be silent, we can't be taboo about these things. We have to be able to say, you know, what our body parts are and how to teach and say, like, this is an okay touch and this is not an okay touch. Um, And really, you know, having those conversations early and often um, so that it is not this uncomfortable thing um, to talk about as as children get older. And I know I'm a parent, and so I'm probably a little bit of a different parent since I'm a therapist, so I'm going to talk about this all the time. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, and I, but I'm very pro, I've been very proactive with my own kid about talking about what, you know, what your parts are and who's allowed to, Mm -hmm. to help you, um, get dressed, who's allowed to help you get, you know, showered. Like those things I think are very important, especially with working with individuals on the spectrum, just making sure that they understand who and when and how, and, yeah. and having that repeated conversation and, and not being embarrassed to say what our body parts are and, um, and talking very frankly about, about this topic. And I think that's so important because if, if that abuse does happen for, for the, the person that is abused to be able to communicate about that as soon as possible. And, right. You know. and, not feel the, um, and not feel like they can't go talk to somebody and, yeah. and making sure that... If you have, if you are working with somebody or you're a family member of somebody who is maybe nonverbal or has um, some communication deficits, that you're teaching them ways to, to say that something happened to them in in ways that they would be able to explain it. Whether it's picture cards, whether it's showing on a doll, like being very, um, what's the right word? Not descriptive, but just giving them the tools. That's what I want to say. Giving them the tools so that they can communicate when these things have happened and being yeah. receptive to that and taking it seriously and then taking the next steps um, to get them the help that they need. Mm-hmm. I'm contractually obligated to talk about the next <laughs> session because my wife will be one of the uh, presenters, uh, but it's, uh, it's regarding professional collaboration to enhance related services provision in a relationship-rich model. Um, so, how, However, what I'll say is that the more collaboration we can have between professionals, um, the better quality of services we can provide for those with autism. I agree, and I believe they're talking about it like in a school sense, right? Yes. So I think that this is just a super positive, like, let's get everyone on board, let's make sure we're all talking together and, and getting the best services for the students, getting them... Getting everyone on the same page, I think, is just always good. So um, I think this will be a great way for them to talk about how they've been able to do that yeah. so that other schools can continue to model this type of um, relationship-rich yeah. model. And, and there will be a, an art therapist and a speech-language pathologist and an occupational therapist talking about how they all work together. So I think that's really important to <laughs> yes. use those different modalities 
working together to, you know, have, reach right. the same goal. Exactly. I mean, they're all seeking, you know, different information and of different markers that they need to meet, but talking about how they can collaborate on that and to make it easier for everyone and to help the student be successful as they can within their school environment. I think that's going to be a, a great session. Yeah. Now, the... Next session, I was really kind of surprised um, in well, that that was going to be talked about because having accessibility to vote can be a big barrier uh, for those with autism, and I haven't seen too often at conferences sessions like this. So I have a personal experience with this because I recently provided support to a person with autism as this person voted at the last election. I can tell you just looking at this one experience, transportation and sensory needs were certainly barriers in this person voting. So uh, Mike Bruckner is saying, I can vote too, making democracy accessible for voters with autism spectrum disorder. I'm excited. I've worked with Mike, um, Beth Thompson and I worked with Mike on a project and we made an I can vote too uh, video. And it was really just a big PSA of, of making sure individuals with disabilities know their rights within the voting process. So he's super knowledgeable about this, and I think it's going to be a really nice session where he is going over, you know, the barriers and how to get around them and how to ask for accommodations within the voting process, um, things that... Um, things that I didn't even really know and I've been doing this a long time yeah. so when I when we initially met with him um, over the summer and we kind of started that project with him I was like oh okay that's good to know <laughs> so I think um, people who attend this session will definitely learn stuff and um, hopefully have some a good idea of what's going to be helpful to them and that they'll get out there and vote at the next election. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being educated on, on this process as well. Yeah. And I, and I heard through the grapevine that the, the number of self-advocates coming to this conference is a record number. Now, I know that we definitely, um, our numbers are way ahead this year. I think we're going to have a record-breaking conference. I'm, I'm very, very excited. We have some great keynote speakers coming this year with Michelle garcia Winter and Haley Moss. Um, and then just the fact that we have over 100 sessions, like there really is something for everyone. And so um, it's going to be great. Yeah. It really is. Now, experiences for African Americans who have autism can be much more challenging compared to those that are Caucasian. It's great to have a session at the National Milestones Autism Conference that reflects this reality. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, this is a big topic for Milestones right now is, is kind of talking about that disparity of diagnosis and treatment within the African American community. Um, and we, we so much so that we have hired a diversity, equity, and inclusion coordinator to, um, to kind of address that issue within our own community here in Cleveland. This is great. You know, we kind of touched on it last year a little bit with some mm -hmm. sessions. And so, again, I think important to keep that conversation going, keep it on the forefront, um, and, and make sure that people are getting good, solid information. Yeah, and, and I'm obsessed about 
providing support to people with autism and being an ally. <laughs> yes. So, but I, but I think it's just so important to provide support to all people with autism, make sure everybody is getting their needs met. Right, and you know, I, I think that, you know, even tying back to the misdiagnosis, I would imagine um, that if they don't touch on it, there's a couple other ones on diagnosis and things like that. They'll talk about the disparity of diagnosis and, mm -hmm. and why that is and kind of how we're combating that. Now, the, the last session I wanted to discuss is relating to giving people with autism strategies on how to best interact with the police. And equally important is training the community to best support people with autism in these situations. This truly needs to work both ways to have optimal results. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that it's um, a two-part. I think that's, that's going to be super helpful that we have a good amount of time to have these discussions and kind yeah. of talk about what it looks like for interacting with police officers and then how we train the community to be responsive as well. So that's it's going to be good. I think it's really essential to have those two parts because if you just train someone with autism to interact and, the, and then the police don't know how to best support that person in that situation, you know, the results that we want are not going to happen. Right. And <laughs> I, I think that police departments have been realizing and more receptive to getting additional training and mm -hmm. kind of having a better understanding. But, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be a cultural shift, I think, on everyone's part about how we, how we approach police officers, how the community is responding to individuals in the community that may be um, under duress and, you know, thinking about how we approach them safely for everyone's sake, I think is going to be a big piece of this, this conversation in yeah. this session. Yeah, I think things are improving. We have a, a long way to go, but just yeah. for police to even like know the signs of when someone might be having, you know, sensory overload, right. it, you know, when they're stopped is a huge thing. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I can't imagine, again, like we've touched on sensory kind of throughout this whole thing, but, you know, being pulled over and having the lights and the noise and you're scared and, like, yeah. now you have somebody approaching your window and asking you a bunch of questions and maybe your processing speed is, is not that quick. And so now you're like, ah, and you're fumbling and, and they're seeing that as you're being disrespectful or you're not being compliant. And then now we're escalating a situation that, didn't need to be. So. Yeah, and, and also when you're pulled over, like sometimes you're pulled over and it's really bright and that affects you, or sometimes you're pulled over at night and then right. it's hard to even see the police officer sometimes. Right, which is scary and, you know, nobody wants to be pulled over. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, certainly I think that that's, uh, there's so many components to kind of safety in the community and, and, and having good positive interactions with police officers um, that the session will hopefully cover a lot of those different um, variables and different situations to give uh, participants strategies to kind of go and say, okay, this is what I want to do in my community, or this is how I want to approach my local police station, this is what I'm going to teach my child if I'm, if I'm on the spectrum, this is what something that I can do and I can feel empowered about. So I really hope that, I hope that people really attend that one. I think it's going to be good, a good session. There's so many competing sessions. I want you to attend them all. We should just like multiply and say, yeah. <laughs> we'll just split ourselves all so, up. <laughs> so many, so many great, yeah, so many great sessions. Yeah. And for those that um, 
are listening to this podcast and now are you know excited about coming to the conference, um, how do people register for the National Autism Milestones Conference? Right. So you can register right online at milestones.org. Go to our events page and you can click on registration. So super easy. If you have any questions, you can give us a call here at Milestones at 216-464-7600. Well, Haley, thanks so much for your time. It was great to talk to you today. It's always great to talk to you too, Doug. Thank you for listening to today's episodes. To take you behind the scenes of this podcast, we actually had to record the podcast on two separate days because I messed up with the original interview as I didn't record it properly. So Haley, thank you so much for willing to return that second day so this podcast uh, was able to be recorded. Mistakes happen and they are a part of learning, but gaining new information from people that can help you make progress with challenges and goals in your life is also such a valuable way to learn. And I encourage everyone to do that by going to the Milestones National Autism Conference on June 11th and 12th. Did you know that Autism Personal Coach saves people with autism from feeling alone and being isolated? So so often, teens and adults with Autism struggle with anxiety and as a result don't have success in their lives. Autism Personal Coach is a unique service in that we help those with autism by working on meaningful individualized goals in the setting in which they will be used. So their anxiety is greatly reduced and as a result they can have much more success in their lives. To get an autism coach for a loved one or yourself, it's very easy. All you have to do is email autismpersonalcoach at yahoo.com or call 216-336-5889 and request a coach today. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will welcome back Anne Tapia to the podcast to discuss the upcoming spectrum of healthy relationships and sexuality in autism conference. Talk to you then.